it's a, it's a mission-minded church, and I think that's what it's all about, about missions. So Keith being the leader of the church and his, uh, his mission-mindedness is, uh, is, I think, what make, makes Mount Airy what it is. And I, we just love it because of that, all the people. I love Mount Airy because we are a Bible-based church. It's missions-oriented, and everything that preacher Keith talks about comes from the Word of God. I love Mount Airy because uh, this church really does focus on stuff going outside uh, the church. It really does have a, a mission focus, uh, not just worried about what's going inside the walls of the church, but more focused on the outside doing God's, uh, God's work. Well, during the month of April, we've been in this series called I Love Mount Airy. Just remind you what we've talked about so far in case some of you weren't here or you missed a Sunday. In the very first message, uh, we talked about the fact that my church is not really mine, and that's why I love it. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I'll build my church. It's His church. And one of the things I I love about Mount Airy is that we really try to focus on Jesus and His agenda above our own. But what then? Once you reach people who are far from God, then what do you do with them? Well, in the second message, we talked about our simple discipleship process, and that is encounter, connect, discover, and reach. Encounter God through worship, discover, I'm sorry, connect with others through BSF, discover a place to serve, and reach the world for Christ. And we want to take everyone on that four-step journey to help you to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Now, I want to make sure you understand, we are not saying this is what you need to do in order to be a Christian. What we are saying is we think these four steps will help you to become a more fully devoted Christian, a more fully devoted follower of Christ. And in the second message, we focus primarily on those first two steps, encounter and connect. Encounter is the large group where we meet together for worship. Connect is that small group where we meet together for Bible study. We believe, as I said in that second message, we believe that the church must grow larger and smaller at the same time. And the place where a large church feels like a small church is in that small group, what we call Bible Study Fellowship or BSF. And here's why. Life change is more likely to happen in a small group. You see, Andy Stanley says this, and I agree with him. He said, circles are better than rows. It's easy to kind of stumble away from church or stumble away from your faith if you're a nameless person on a row. But it's harder to stumble away from your faith. It's harder to stumble away from church. If you're part of a circle, if you're you're face-to-face with some people who know your name and they care about you, circles are better than rows. Now, in today's message, I want to focus primarily on that third block that you see here on the next slide. The, The third block is discover. We want to help you discover a place to serve. And I want you to take your Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll be looking at one verse today, and that's verse 58. While you're turning, let me kind of set the stage for you. 1 Corinthians 15 is the great resurrection chapter in the Bible. The entire chapter is devoted to explaining the concept of Jesus Christ and His resurrection, which guarantees also our resurrection. Paul presented in this text, in this chapter, three proofs to assure his readers that Jesus Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, and because of that, we too will one day be raised. Now, at the end of that chapter, after explaining the resurrection, 
for the entire chapter. At the very end, at the very last verse, Paul ends this chapter in kind of in a unique way. After talking about the resurrection, and last Sunday was Resurrection Sunday for us, Easter and celebrating the resurrection. So after celebrating the resurrection in chapter 15, he comes to the end of the chapter, and here's how Paul ends the chapter. Therefore, my dear brothers, verse 58, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. He begins with the word, therefore. That is, based on what he's explained to us in this 15th chapter. Based on what he said about the resurrection. Therefore, because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a reality. Therefore, because your future resurrection is a fact. Therefore, it ought to impact the way that you live your life. And so he says this, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Now that could be translated this way, don't be shifted from your position. And he kind of expounds on that when he says, let nothing move you. What Paul is saying is this, keep living for Jesus no matter what. Let nothing move you. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Let nothing move you. Let nothing lure you away from Jesus. And let nothing push you away from Jesus. You serve Jesus all the time. When it's good, you serve Him. And when it's bad, you serve Him. When it's fun, you serve Him. And when it's hard, you serve Him. Let nothing move you. Let nothing push you away from your relationship with Jesus Christ. Then he expounds on that in the second half of the verse. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Now, what I'd like to ask you to do is, if you've got a pen or pencil handy, a couple of words here I'd like for you to mark, very key words in this, in this verse. The first word I'd like for you to underline is the word always. Always. Underline that if you will. Always indicates in all ages and in all stages of life, stand firm and give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. In all ages and in all stages of life, when many people are working with you and the work is a joy, And when no one is there to help you and the work is a chore, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Always. And then the second word I want you to mark is the word fully. That indicates that what we're doing we should not do half-heartedly. What we are doing for God we should not do apathetically. Because what we are doing is so important. We are serving the risen Savior And the work He's given us to do is so important. It's too important for us to simply sit on Sunday and enjoy the show. Someone told me this week that after the I Love Mount Airy series, said another good series that you might want to preach is this, I Love My Pew. (laughs) I think that's probably pretty perceptive. But in verse 58, Paul tells us why we shouldn't just sit on a pew. Paul says, always... Give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Now watch this carefully. Because, transition word, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. But sometimes it feels like it, doesn't it? Have you ever had those times? Have you ever struggled with that? Wondering if what you were doing is making a difference? Wondering if, if the 
the minister, ministry you're involved in is changing anybody's life? Have you ever had those times when it just kind of feels like that what you're doing doesn't really matter? Maybe you've said something like this. That's it, I'm done. I'm tired of being the only one who cares. I'm tired of being the only one who shows up. I, I, I'm not making a difference. Or maybe you've said, these kids aren't getting anything out of this. I, I'm going to let somebody else do it. I've got other things that I need to be doing. Somebody else can take over. Have you ever said that? Have you ever thought that or something like that? Probably many of you have. Nearly 20 years ago, uh, Diane Sawyer did an, an interview with my spiritual hero, Dr. Billy Graham. And 20 years ago, he was coming to the twilight of his career. And Diane Sawyer sat down for this interview, to, and she began by... Uh, uh, recounting his accomplishments through his 50 years of preaching to over 120 million people face-to-face and all the other extended ministry that he has through television and radio and through books. And, and after recounting all that he had done, she asked that world-renowned evangelist if he was pleased with his success. And what he said startled her. She didn't expect it. He answered this way. He said, I don't think of myself as successful at all. In fact, I feel like a failure. Trying to clarify what she had just heard, she said, well, Dr. Graham, let me ask you, did you feel like you could change the world? And Dr. Graham said very softly, I thought maybe after a lifetime of preaching, but the world is worse today than it was when I began my ministry. See, ladies and gentlemen, all Christians, regardless of your calling, All Christians, regardless of your calling, sometimes find ministry challenging and even discouraging. So if you're discouraged today and you feel like quitting, you're in very good company. You're in the same company as Dr. Billy Graham. But here's the difference. Dr. Graham didn't stop. He didn't quit. You see, here's the problem we all have to wrestle with in ministry. Regardless of what you're doing for the Lord, here's the problem we all have to wrestle with. You see, you can measure success in your work in most areas of life. I mean, if you're a salesman, your monthly report shows what you did this month compared to last month. It's easy to see your success. If you're a doctor or a nurse, you can see somebody's health improving. They're not coughing anymore. They don't have a fever anymore. You're helping them. You can see the progress. You can see success in what you've done to help that person. If you're a bricklayer, you lay so many bricks during the day, and at the end of the day, you can stand back and you can look at that brick wall, and you can see success. You can see what you have accomplished. What do you see when you get done teaching a BSF class? Most of the time, probably not a whole lot. The only thing we can see, the only thing we can do is kind of count the number of people that are there. And if there, if there are less people there than there were last week, then we kind of feel down about it. We kind of feel like a failure. We, we start to think that maybe uh, we're not making a difference. Maybe somebody else needs to have this class. You see, most of our earthly work is easily measured. But you can't do that with the work of the Lord. The results are too intangible. The Lord is sometimes the only one who sees and the only one who knows the changes that are occurring in somebody's heart and in somebody's life. You can't see that. It's not visible to you, the decisions that they're making. It's not visible to your eye, what's happening, the decisions happening in their mind and in their heart. And that's why we get discouraged. The results are invisible to our eyes. I mean, how do you measure faith? 
How do you measure love? How do you measure even obedience? And so because we can't see the progress sometimes that we want to see, then often we get discouraged and we back off. We're not as committed as we used to be, and we don't attend like we used to attend. And, and sometimes we not only back off, sometimes we just simply stop. We give up and we quit. Somebody else can teach that class. Somebody else can sing in the choir. Somebody else can, can serve in vacation Bible school. I've, I've done this long enough. But here's what Paul says. Paul says in verse 58, Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know, you know, you need to be reminded of it, but you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I want you to notice that he uses two different words there for work. In the first half of the verse, he uses the word work. In the second half of the verse, he uses the word labor. What's the difference? Well, the word labor that he uses in the second half of the verse could be translated this way. It means to work to the point of exhaustion. And when you're working to the point of exhaustion, Paul says, you know that your labor, working to the point of exhaustion, is not in vain. But when you are working at that point of exhaustion, you're giving everything that you've got, everything that you can, you get tired and worn down, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're ripe to hear from the enemy. Because you're exhausted. You're worn out and burned out. And the enemy begins to whisper into your ear and wants you to believe that what you do doesn't matter. And he will tell you that over and over. What you do doesn't matter. What you do, what you're doing is not making a difference. What you do doesn't matter. Listen to me carefully. That is a lie. Here's what God says. God says, Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not in vain. That word vain, not in vain, it, it could be translated this way. It is not empty. Your labor in the Lord is not like an empty bucket where you've got nothing in it. It is not in vain. It is not empty. Back in 2008, I went to a church growth conference in Grapevine, Texas. It was a great conference. But the thing that impressed me the most was not the speakers, nor, it was, nor was it the singers, uh, nor was it the conference leaders. The thing that impressed me the most was a guy with a slight speech impediment who greeted me at the door named David Phillips. I've never felt so welcomed at a church in all of my life. And I've been to lots of churches in many different places. I have never, ever felt as welcomed in a church as I have at that church. It was a mega church. It was, they had literally hundreds of hundreds of volunteers there. Everywhere you could turn, there was a volunteer in the parking lot, at the doors, in the hallways. Everywhere you could go, there were volunteers there helping you to find your way through this vast complex, this mega church. But the one that impressed me the most was this guy at the door who was the first person I met, the first person to open the door for me. And I could tell that he was having a little problem getting his words out, but he smiled with such a great smile. and made me feel so welcome, and he helped me so much. In fact, on my way out, after the conference was over, I noticed he was still at that door. In fact, he opened the door for me again as I was leaving. I looked around. Nobody was behind me, so I stopped. I said, hey, I'm Keith Shorter. I just want you to know I really appreciate what you're doing here today. And then I, I got to meet him, and he told me his name was David, and David told me his story. I found out a couple of months before that David had been in an auto accident, and he had a brain injury, and he had to learn to talk again. 
That's the reason he was struggling trying to get the words just exactly right. And I found out also that that day was the first time David had driven by himself since his auto accident. And David had driven that day 16 miles for the first time by himself since the accident to serve at his church to hold a door and welcome people as they came in. You know, I've, I've thought about David and I've wondered if David ever felt like what he, he was doing didn't matter. After all, he wasn't one of the speakers on the stage. He wasn't one of the program personalities. He wasn't one of the singers. He, he wasn't leading a conference or anything like that. All he did was open a door and greet people. That's all he did. Drove 16 miles one way to stand there, open a door, and greet people. How could that make a difference? Think about this. What David could never see was the impact that he had on me. You see, I've told David's story when I got back. I told David's story to several people. And over the years, I've continued to tell David's story. And even in our recent Discover Mount Airy class, I told David's story. And here I am, six years later, telling David's story again to all of you. And guess what? And David doesn't have a clue. He doesn't know the impact that he still has from holding the door open for me. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It is not empty. And you see, I'm just one person out of the probably thousands of people who have come to that church and David has held the door for. Who knows how he has impacted some of those people Perhaps somebody came to church for the first time and they approached that big church wondering if anybody would welcome them, if anybody would care about them, if anybody would know them. And then David smiled at them and he welcomed them and he made them feel wanted. Or maybe somebody was thinking, what could I do for God? How, how could, I don't have anything. I, I'm not talented. How could I serve God? Perhaps they saw David the door holder with his speech impediment. And then they realized that God can use all of us. Or maybe one of the pastors was struggling, fighting discouragement, and wondering if if his ministry was really making a difference, if anybody was really getting it. And then one Sunday morning, he saw David with a smile on his face, serving the Lord in his place, opening the door, greeting people. And then he realized, lives are being changed here. Just look at what God's doing in David's life. You see, the Lord's work is spiritual. And the results are often invisible to our eyes. But listen to me carefully. They are not invisible to His eyes. We'll show you that in Scripture. Take your Bible. Put your thumb in 1 Corinthians 15. We'll come back. Go to the last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. In Revelation 22, this is the Lord Jesus speaking. Here's what he says in verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. My reward is with me. I'm bringing my rewards with me, and I will give, he says, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Ladies and gentlemen, God sees and God rewards what we do for him. 
And though we may not even see the result of it, we may not be able to see the end result of what's happening in somebody's heart and life. God says, but I see. And in my mind, I was wondering what it must be like the day when David gets to go to heaven. And God says, come here, David. I want to show you something. You know when you're holding that door? Wondering if you were making a difference and you had that speech impediment? Come here, come here. I I want you to see what happened in the life of this preacher named Keith Shorter. David, watch this. I want you to see what happened in this person's life and that person's life and that person's life. Because what you do for the Lord is never in vain. It is never empty. Please hear this. If something is telling you that you need to quit, it's probably not God's voice that you're hearing. Because God's voice says this. This is God's voice. God's voice says, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, I don't want you just to read that text. I want you to live it. I really do. I want you to live it. What is the next step you need to take to engage in what God is doing? Or perhaps, what is the next step you need to take to re-engage in what God's doing. Some of you have stopped. You quit. You, you got discouraged and defeated. And you kind of backed off. What's the next step you need to take. To re-engage in what God wants to do. In and through you. Tonight. We're going to give you the opportunity. To take that step. At our Celebrate Mount Airy event. What I need you to do right now though. I need you to pick up this piece of paper. That looks like this. You were handed one as you, were, as you entered today. I hope that you've got it. I need you to make sure you pull it out. And look at it. On the front. It says Celebrate Mount Airy. April 27th at 6 o'clock in the Life Center. So tonight at 6 o'clock in the Life Center, that's going to be our evening service. We're going to start with a time of worship, a short time of worship. Then we're going to break out into different groups, and you can go to different tables and discover a place perhaps where you can get plugged in. It's going to be a family-friendly event. It's going to be for all ages. The kids are going to have inflatables and rides and games and all kinds of things outside. And and it's going to be a family-friendly event. It's it's for the young folks all the way to the old folks. Everybody is included and everybody is invited. But what I want you to see is what's on the back of that card. Here's where I want you to focus for the next few moments. What's your next step? What's the next step you need to take to be a more fully devoted follower of Christ? What's the next step you need to take to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord? For some of you, you might need to take this card, and I would encourage you to do that right now. Just take the card and say, my next step is, and for some of you, it might be baptism. And you'd write that in, baptism. Next step you need to take, now it's not the only step you need to take, but it's the next step you need to take, perhaps, is baptism. For some of you, it might be connecting to a BSF group. You just write that in the card. For some of you, it might be getting in a Discover Mount Airy class. I, I need to go to the next Discover Mount Airy. That's your next step to join the church. For some of you, it's my next step is find a place to serve. For others, it might be my next step is to go on a mission trip, maybe to Cleveland. What's the next step you need to take? What I'd love for you to do right now is just put that in the blank. Just right where you are, my next step is, and just fill in that box. Maybe it's something I haven't even thought of, but what's your next step so that you can be a little further in your walk with Christ than you were last year? Now write that in the blank right now. And here's what I want you to do with the card. I want you to bring it tonight to our Celebrate Mount Airy event. Tonight at 6 o'clock in the Life Center, bring it with you. After our brief time of worship, I want you to take that card to the appropriate table and somebody will be there to help you take that next step. 
If your next step is baptism, if your next step is discover Mount Airy, if your next step is finding a place to serve or mission trip, whatever it may be, take it to the appropriate table. Be evident what the tables are. Take it to the appropriate table. Somebody will be there to help you take that next step. And then just as our way of saying thank you, uh, if you sign up for something tonight, we want to give you a, a free logo decal for your car. Just as our way of saying we appreciate the service that you're going to be doing. Now, remember I said at the very start of my message that what I want everybody to do is go through this four-step discipleship process. That that's our goal, that's our dream, that you would walk with us through that discipleship process. What I want to do is introduce you to a couple who, who is in that process right now. Uh, this is Colin and Crystal Wiles. Uh, Colin and Crystal Wiles, their very first service that they came to Mount Airy was 10-10-10. I don't know if that date sounds familiar to you, but that was the first day that we had our third service uh, in the Life Center. That's when we started the Life Center service, 10-10-10. Crystal and Colin came that first day, and they continued to come. A year later, they signed up and attended Discover Mount Airy. Almost exactly a year later, they signed up and attended Discover Mount Airy. Now, here's the cool thing that God did in their lives. At Discover Mount Airy, Crystal was saved. Praise the Lord. And so, the next step was that they were baptized on November the 6th, 2011. Colin had already been saved, but had not followed the Lord in believer's baptism. Crystal was saved at Discover Mount Airy, so she too was baptized. It was our honor and privilege to baptize them. Then, 10, 16, 11, they joined a BSF class. They decided they wanted to go from that large group to a small group and, and get in a circle. And then the next step that they've taken is this. On April the 6th this year, they came to Chris and said, you know what, we've just realized we need to find a place to serve. And so they're in the process of trying to find that place to serve. You see, they're in the process of becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ. Again, this is not what you need to do to become a Christian. You can be a Christian and not do these things. But these things will help you be a more fully devoted follower of Christ. And you can see where they are in that process. They haven't reached that last step yet, but they're in the process of heading in that direction. Where are you in that process? What's the step that you need to take? Now, some of you may say, well, Pastor, as I look at that, you know, I've done Encounter, I've done Connect, uh, Discover, uh, I'm serving two or three places, I've been on mission trips, Reach, I've done all of that. Does that mean I've graduated? No. You never graduate. Here's what it means. It means you should continue to live as a fully devoted follower of Christ. The Word already tells us this morning. Always, fully, give yourselves to the work of the Lord so you continue to live in that lifestyle that you've already started. See, here's what I want you to understand. It's my last statement. Here's what I want you to understand. Discipleship is not a past tense experience. It is a present tense journey. We want you to go on this journey with us. It's not a past tense experience. I got saved when I was 11 and I got over it. It's not a past tense experience. It's a present tense journey. Paul said that as well. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Always give yourselves fully to the Lord because following Christ is a present tense experience. Let's pray about that right now. I don't know the step that you need to take, but I hope and I pray that you'll take that little card and it says, my next step is, and in this time of invitation perhaps even, you'll begin to think, Lord, what is it you want me to do? What's the next step that I need to take so I can, I can be a more fully devoted, committed follower of Jesus?
For some of you, it is the first step to engage in something. And for some of you, it'll be a step to re-engage, to get back involved into the life and ministry of the church. But it's not just about you doing something at church. It's about God doing something in your life. It's about God working in and through your life for His kingdom and for His glory. And so whatever God is speaking to your heart about in this invitation time, that's your chance to take that step. That's your chance to say, Lord, work in me and work through me. Father, I pray for that. I ask for that. That in increasing numbers, you will work in us and you will work through us. And may it be for your glory and yours alone. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.